I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper down the rabbit hole. Real metaphysics. Cutting edge topics. Results driven active spirituality. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live on the Parallax Network. Also available on podcast at the iTunes Store. Welcome to Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Kimmy J. No, I'm not Andrea Vitimus, and I am not Jason. They actually gave me the reins tonight. How silly is that? I actually can't believe they did it myself. I don't know. They don't know what they've gotten into. But they asked me to come on tonight and um, kind of help them out with a little project they're going to be doing. Tonight they're going to be talking about ancestral magic. So I want to bring the boys on with me. So, um, Andrea, Jason. Yep. Come oh, on and yeah. play. Come on That's and play. play. Okay, guys. I can't believe you did this. This is still blowing my mind that you That's actually true. asked me to come on. Hey, maybe we fun. just respect you that much, eh? Oh, I, I like that. Or maybe we just wanted to have a fun party night. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, that explains it. Okay, so tonight, guys, we're going to get into something that I'm not that familiar with. So, um, like Andrea said, this is probably going to be a nice little balance. Um, because what they do and what I do are, although similar, are also quite different. So we're going to start out with that. Um, Andrea, why don't you just kind of set us up a little bit on what ancestral work is well as many people know i'm initiated who gone and as ancestor work is kind of the real foundation of uh of voodoo and a lot of african traditions so in a simple term ancestral work is getting the relationships with your previous ancestors right and that means getting it right so you can communicate with them so you can ask them for stuff getting it right so they can intervene in your life and getting it right so that you can get the necessary healing and it's primarily only working with those dead that would be your genetic ancestors although people who are adopted uh, oftentimes the dead will treat somebody who's adopted who was like their grandson or something as family too uh, and it's getting those kind of relationships right that affected you here and even goes back further to people you didn't know in your family. Um, most of the time, when we talk about this and when I tell people about this, like almost everyone I know who is a magician or a witch or an occultist have people in their family that if you go back uh, not too far, there's ancestors that also had psychic ability or were witches or shaman or some kind of thing. So there's a wealth, a wealth of knowledge that once you can communicate and work with them, there's a lot of allies there who have a vested interest in your success. Okay, fair enough. But let's just say, and I know this is going to be a question for people out in the chat room, what if your ancestors were, let's just say, shady people, you know, or they, they really were bad people in life? Do you think people that were bad in life are bad in death, or do you think everything just kind of makes a wash and now they are out for your better interest, and can they interfere in this ancestral kind of work? Well, there's some people, there's some ancestors you're just not going to get along with, but by putting it within a framework uh, and raising them up 
essentially through prayer and meditation, uh, it kind of heals parts of yourself. It makes your whole frame better. And in some cases, you know, uh, this is one of my friends in Chicago had this, you know, they're Italian, they had certain types of ancestors. Mm -hmm. Well, those certain types of Italian ancestors are really good uh, to have around if somebody's messing with you, you know. So even what could be considered shady uh, might have a use. That's not exactly the the new age answer, but then uh, voodoo and the African traditions tend to think everything has a use if you can figure out what it is and and how to apply it right. Um, so even them, even those kind of ancestors could have a use if they're willing to work with you um, in a good way. Now, see, I understand that, but I don't know if, a lot, if some of the listeners out there do. I always say keep your enemies close, you know, and keep people like that in your back pocket because you never know when you're going to have a need. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I, um, well, I've had a very kind of abusive past. Uh, and um, one of the things that is kind of a phrase that I heard in Haiti was if you have an abusive past or abusive relationship, that in death oftentimes those spirits will work doubly hard because they incurred a debt to you by causing all that pain. And if someone has a, you know, if you're trying to work through it for your own healing sake uh, with somebody who abused you and they have a debt, those are some of the spirits that work hardest because they don't, they want to relieve the debt that they caused you. Interesting. I like that. I got some good stuff coming to me well, then. I'd even say that one of my grandmothers was See, sometimes people do harm, and they don't mean to do harm. They don't really know how they affect people. Uh -huh. And like one of my grandmothers, after she crossed the veil, and she seemed to realize she got a clear perspective of what she was doing to those that she cared about. So now she tries to make amends in my ancestral work, mainly because before she did not understand how she was affecting me and the rest of the family. So now she actually is trying to make amends. Oh, so they get it. They get it when yeah. they cross over. Sometimes. Now, you know, those are people that they didn't mean harm, but they did harm. Now, uh -huh. there's nasty people out there who may have intentionally caused harm and may still intentionally cause harm and death. Yeah, and, and it's kind of one of the best phrases I heard was, if you were really stupid in life you're probably going to be stupid in, in afterlife too i mean so you have to consider the source of the advice you're getting and kind of the communications um but that said it's usually been my experience that death changes the perspective of the dead a little where they kind of get to see their whole life not just a moment by moment where they're not mm -hmm. putting two and two together like oh you know uh, this kind of abuse when you were drunk really had a negative effect on people. Uh, they can see the picture from not having to live day-to-day -day life and say, oh, well, that wasn't so good. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> okay, I know this is kind of jumping the gun a little bit, but I just got a, a question from the chat room. They want to they know, how do you know that it's not a demonic pretending to be one of your ancestors because you're opening yourself up to such. Ah, well, well we, we will talk about that a lot. Okay, okay. That's why I said we might be jumping the gun here a little bit, but we'll hold that question. There's a lot of ways. If you are doing it, literally, if you're doing it in a way that uh, you just sit there and try to call the dead to you, for most people who are just starting out, the truth is they won't know for sure. Um, but that's not the way we're going to recommend today at all uh, of how to go about starting this. Okay, so let's let's go right to number one. What what would be the first thing? Say, if I wanted to do this, if I wanted to connect to my ancestors, um, let's say I just want to kind of I don't know, maybe get a better job or you know make some great contacts in a field that I'm interested in going for that job. How how would I start? the very very basics I'm a novice I'm a layman I know nothing well first it's like anything else if you go to a millionaire and ask for cash and they don't know you too well what's the answer gonna be probably no uh, you might get lucky but 
it's well, probably, I'm cute, so I might be able to get a buck or two. You might think? be able to get a buck or two. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Anyways. You might. You might. I'm, I'm probably not going to get a buck. I'll probably get kicked or something. <laughs> but it's it's very similar with the ancestors. Okay, if, if you're not communicating with them, and all of a sudden you go to them and say, give me cash, they're going to be like, uh, nice words, nice words, yeah. yeah okay. okay. So the first step is to actually come to the table with the intention to communicate. Um, really, to go through your memory, the easiest way that I've found to start is to start with ancestral um, ancestors that are close to you, that you met in life, and that the number one condition, and I've read this in older mediumship books too but it's a really good one is the number one condition is that inside your mind and what you can remember that they absolutely loved you that there was no doubt in their mind that you loved they loved you mm -hmm. um, those so you, you want to be able to go through your memories and try to pick three of them at least three to start off with as it were ancestors who you know absolutely loved you without a doubt um you might have a few you know hiccups with them but on the general you know they love you that mm -hmm. is the best starting point uh and then start writing down memories of those ancestors uh, what what you remember about them what they look like what their favorite food was their their best, the best times you had with them. Really kind of spend a large amount of time going back in your memory as a starting point. Um, this is also one way that uh, when you actually start doing the ancestral service, if you're coming from that perspective of love and you have that love connection to ancestors and really good memories, it's really hard to fake that for a demon once we go um, further further down exactly how to do it so that's the first step is to actually write all the stuff down um, maybe figure out a little history on them maybe try to get a couple pictures of them um, from there we can actually give them a physical space a small space it doesn't you know some people have we, we generally refer to it as an altar but an altar usually means a table but it doesn't have to be it could be the top of a bookshelf it could be a shelf that you put over the door it could be a small table uh, you know a coffee table but that space is your space to work with them as in that's their space so you know we in Haiti and when I was learning voodoo uh, I generally learned don't put it in your bedroom um, just because if you have sex or something, it's like having sex in front of your grandma. It gets nice. kind of all weird, you know. Uh, but well, I have my altar in my office, actually, because that's my sacred space. Nobody comes in here. This is my room. Yeah, that's, but I, that's perfectly but I, fine, yeah. I, I, yeah, but I, I get I get the bedroom thing, yeah, now that you point that out. It's kind of creepy, yeah. It is, it is. But there's a secondary reason, and actually... Um, a lot of ancestral work, you're working with the dead, they can help you, but you're raising them up continuously. Um, so to expose them to lower vibrations like sex, which we, you know, many of us enjoy, mm -hmm. but to expose them to that brings them back kind of to more animalistic states. And if they continuously get fed that type of energy, I've seen a lot of people have problems where... Uh, the dead will attach to them in odd ways and um, usually when I see that it's because people aren't listening uh, to other priests or stuff like that and they had abuse issues to start with and that, then the kind of abuse issues continues because they haven't made a clear separation and they kind of am feeding the dead sexual energy and uh, then you're never t quite sure whether you have your ancestors or or your ancestors doing something um, weird because essentially it's like an addiction. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to back up just one second because I had another question come in from the chat room real quick. When you say ancestors, 
you, and you said bring pictures and memories and, and things like that. What if, and does it include, um, like me, Native American, they usually consider your ancestors not only your immediate, but your tribal family and your ancestors beyond that, you know, whoever was the leader of that tribe. Would that be in, inclusive in that also? Like, would that be your ancestral yeah, background, it's, it's, even though they're not blood? It's been my experience that they'll come out. Uh, okay. It's more important that who you initially pick are people that you absolutely know, love Personally. you. So, yeah, if you were adopted, it would be like, you know, the people who raised you and as their own kind of thing. Um, because you can go really far back with ancestor work. Uh, like I said, I, I've dealt with members of my family that go six, seven, even more generations back. It's much better to start with, okay, I know my mom. I know my mom loves me, and I know my grandmother loves me, and my great-grandmother, who I all met, loves me. And I know if there's problem ancestors, like Jason was describing, uh, those three will stop the problem ancestors from causing any problems because they're kind of mm -hmm. acting as a, as gatekeepers in a way. Well, that makes sense. So, J Jason? Yes. <laughs> You're just sitting back there oh so quietly. You need to jump in here too. So when you were talking about your bad ancestors, when you do your, when you do your work, who primarily do you call upon? Well... Hmm. Well, it's going to get a little personal. Yeah, let's just no. say. Let's do let's it. Let's just say I not only have two grandfathers, but I I technically have three. Nice. Um, not going to explain that situation on the air right now, but <clears throat> let's just say one of them I didn't get to meet in life. I've only had interactions with them in spirit. So, between my my three grandfathers, my father who left us a year and a half ago and uh, my grandmother who passed about a year ago uh, primarily that's my starting point my my most recently deceased most immediate family um, those are the ones that I had actual relationships with excluding my biological grandfather one of my biological grandfathers who I hadn't met in life but he actually pushed through himself so kind of a strange situation going on there, but you work with the people who you knew in life, who you knew, knew you could trust, who, and it's very easy to connect with them. Makes sense. Yes. Okay, so, so guys, people are gonna say, well, how do I connect to these people? Because a lot of people sit down and they go, okay, I wanna connect with my grandmother or my mother or my father, or, you know, or whatever, whoever it may be. Yet they don't know how. They just sit there and they go, okay, what's next? All right. That's an excellent question. So you, you got the space picked out for them somewhere in your house. That's, mm -hmm. that's essentially like a mini house, as it were. It's their house, the dead's house. Uh, it's the ancestor altar. Um, and one of the things that I was taught, it's, it's very much like the white table school of ancestor work, is to wipe that down with Florida water place a white cloth over that um, the pictures uh, that you want for the ancestors you're going to uh, work with or at your starting points if you can get them if not it's okay uh, you place a glass cup or ceramic cup usually white on the table or clear and put water in there and inside the water you can put Florida water or white wine or a little white rum to help the communication because water is the, uh, particularly in uh, voodoo, is the way the spirits come through. Okay, stupid question. What is Florida water? Is it water from Florida? No, it's actually, there's a, <laughs> it's a cologne. It's like okay, the equivalent of voodoo ho holy water. <laughs> okay, walk the walk the layman's through it. Yeah, <laughs> Going like Florida water. What do I have to go to Florida? What? No, no, what do no. I do you here? can buy it in any in most occult stores. Um, okay, so it's for it's a citrony cologne that's citri citrony and flowery, and it's used for cleansing. But it's not it's not called a spiritual holy water. It's it's literally a cologne from Murray and Murray, I think, uh, out of New York, but. 
two Jewish guys made it. And, <laughs> but, but all throughout the like known voodoo world, they love this stuff and use oh it everywhere. I'm dying now because you just said Jewish people and we're doing an occult ritual. This is great, guys. Only on the pair of apps. I know. Exactly, right? Okay. Perfect. If two, okay. if two Jewish guys only knew they were making the holy water of voodoo. Exactly. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got the Florida water. We got, a, we got a white or clear cup. We got a white shiny cloth going on. Okay. What else? Uh, and with the cup, you want to name it. Give it some kind of special name so it becomes like a unique thing. And, and that's actually a principle that is expressed in other traditions. But essentially, it could be any name. You could use a sigilized name for it. You could just call it like Cup of Spirits if you want. Um, but it's just a unique name for the cup itself. Okay. Um, now, from there, so that way it kind of cements the fact you're doing this around your house. Um, go around your house in your neighborhood and just pick up uh, four rocks um, that just feel right and put put them down on the corners of the altar uh-huh. um, and then from there get yourself a white candle now uh, I like Van Van oil which is a is a formula it's a New Orleans voodoo type of oil, but if you can't get that, you can use vegetable oil, and you just kind of take the candle, a white candle again, and oil it up and down uh, at the same time. So basically, go from the middle and kind of place oil on it and rub it in the candle up and down um, to dress the candle. Put the candle on and the pictures on the altar. Uh-huh. And uh, give them a little bit of food, uh, usually bread or rice or something like that. Uh, that and that's a, a really good start. And then from there, if you work with the chakras, that's one way to do it, where you you know, align all your chakras and sit and meditate. And all those things you wrote down about how much you love uh, the people, the ancestors, you just meditate and go through all those memories and imagine those memories are coming from the cup um, right in front of you okay and you turn off all the lights is it's usually helpful for most people because uh, the darkness kind of lets them kind of see and hear things they might not otherwise hear Mm -hmm. now usually as you do this and you're thinking about them you might not feel or see or hear anything the first time. It might take uh, a couple weeks of work. Uh, and then I, you may feel something on your, uh, on your side, which is definitely a presence, and especially after a couple weeks. Most people will, especially if they um, are meditating and they're doing the ancestral service every day for two weeks, you'll feel something then. Okay, we had a comment in the chat room that said that sounds an awful, awful lot like the Samhain ritual for the witches. Because we put out, we put out offerings as well, and a lot of this is traditional of the whole Halloween season, is um, you know feeding the dead. Yeah, exactly. So is that kind of is that kind of coincides with that? Is that part of it? Um, it there probably is a lot of cross-cultural roots. You are actually giving them the food to for them to get gather energy. Except we do this all year round, uh-huh. um, and you are inviting them to step in your life. Um, and if you're using the Florida water and you're concentrating on those aspects of love, as I described, uh, what you notice is that it's almost impossible for demonic entities per se to step mm-hmm. past that demons don't want to be around love they just don't um and that's what that's what you're putting the call out on you're literally putting the call out for the spirits to come in love which and makes me sound s- very much new agey and fluffy but it really well, does you know, work <laughs> that that really isn't new agey and fluffy because really i'm not going to say you couldn't get yourself into trouble in in some ways, in some situations, mm-hmm. but when you're doing focused, strong, regular work, and you've got 
you know, that, that particular vibe going on, that vibe of love and that vibe of reflection on your ancestors, your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does create some kind of force field in a way. I mean, okay, now we're going from new agey to science fiction, but, you know, it's just this feeling of why would a demon want to be around that eminence? They want to be around something negative. They want to be around depressed people, dark people, people who feed them the type of energy that makes them zane. Exactly. Some people would say, though, that they would disguise themselves or play the part of um, to, to enter that circle, so to speak. Do you disagree with that? It's, it's, it's not attractive. I mean, there's a lot of fear that goes on with the ancestral work. Uh-huh. Um, but in my experience, uh, if you maintain, you do in the Florida water, and we'll, before the end of the show, I hope we'll go over some cleansing rituals. And on the show, we have done some cleansing rituals. But if you really sit down and meditate, still your mind, and come from that position where um, you are going back in your memories of love, your body and energy pattern will resonate a love. And you are not attractive prey at that point. Uh, you're just not attractive food uh, for any kind of lower entities it's just it's kind of like you become not food at that point um but our world is such that yeah there's a lot of these type of stuff going on because a lot of people are walking around depressed a lot of the time or angry or um really upset if anything else if you're coming to the table and you're honestly uh thinking about them and thinking about the love in that way that you had for them in life uh, they're going to step in too. The ancestors are, you might not be able to perceive them for two weeks because it takes your mind and your your brain physically to adapt and start developing uh, that muscle. I really believe that. And But they will start to step in to say, well, they're trying, you know, and we'll meet you the rest of the way, uh, especially about, especially coming from that perspective. Mm-hmm. That's also why you don't work with, you don't start with ancestors you have problems with, uh, because then you could get fooled, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so we, we've covered basically how to set up your altar. It's all about intention. You want to have the, the purest of intentions. You want to have the love of your family. You want to have, the, you know, pictures are probably a visual help. I would recommend that. I, I don't know about you guys, but I think that would be helpful. It is helpful. If, if you can get pictures I mean some people um, some people you know they don't they don't have ancestors per se that they know of so they have to start with what they think their ancestors might look like from magazine pictures or uh, some way to do it like that and just cultural yeah cultural type of this is what grandmas look like uh, because they they might not have uh, that actual experience of those people and it's still the the love is the uh, most important starting point uh, to um, just realize there's people out there that you wouldn't physically exist uh-huh. if they weren't out there. If someone didn't have decide to raise a family, you wouldn't physically exist. And, and that, that gratitude and love for your physical existence is also a, a really strong outside of the other cleansing techniques we could use it is a really strong 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 and powerful wavelength that like i said negative or more negative spirits just when you express gratitude it's just hard for them to come around now one of the things a lot of people don't understand too because i'm really love my meditation and it really helps me when I'm very erratic and a lot of people in the chat room know that I can be very erratic and Christopher that's my producer knows I can absolutely be erratic and one of the things that helps me in a meditation is almost like staring into a candle flame to do kind of like almost like a self-hypnosis and I know you guys kind of do that too Um, does that work for both of you or do you predominantly do it or does Jason you know do something different well, Jason, let's start with you. I'll say what I do. and after, You go ahead first. How about that? Well, that's fine. Well, you know, I just tend to prepare some food. doesn't have to be anything fancy. Sometimes it's bread. Sometimes it's rice and beans. Um, simple fare. And it's not just the preparation of the food, but it's when preparing the plates of food and a cup of black coffee 
really thinking about my ancestors, thinking about, you know, once again, let's let's make it simple. Let's go with the immediate people, the people you've lost most recently over the, over the past couple of years. Um, really thinking about them and interactions you've had with them. Really put the intention that you're making this food for them. Take that to the altar. Present it at the altar. Light a white candle. I prefer seven-day candles just because they're reusable and they burn a long time. Um, really, upon lighting the candle, I'll say a small, eh, I don't really want to call it a prayer. I just more kind of call out, um, blood of my blood, come forth, commune with me. Simple like that. And I've gotten this down over repetition to the point where simply lighting the candle and saying that simple phrase, I feel an influx of energy. I feel the spirit's presence. And then I sit and pretty much just try to quiet my mind and see if they have anything they have to tell me while I present the food and let them draw their energy from it. I guess people really expect it to be a, you know, a lot more elaborate and, you know, really, I don't know, something out of Hollywood or something, but it's, it is really honestly, guys, that simple to feel the vibration and the energies and, you know, just that kind of power, so to speak, just I, by yeah, doing I, mantras like that. I really, uh, I really think, I think it is people don't have the patience to do it for two weeks or three weeks to really kind of get their brain in sync uh -huh. and they give up after a day or two. But if, if you do it for three weeks with a fair amount of dedication, even a half hour a day, you, you'll really connect with your ancestors uh, and you'll start to feel them around. Um, and that's the point at which when you feel them around and you, you're kind of feeling the, the love echoing back, to, to go back to your earlier uh, comment, that's when you can start going like, hey, you know, I could use some help with uh, getting a job, you know, or I could use some some help, some advice um, that if you could just pop it in my head because I don't know what to do. Uh, that's after about three weeks, then you can start getting the inkling of communication going. I agree. Absolutely. So I, I, what, would you suggest people try that? See, I'm really, really leery about, and maybe it's just because of the whole witch thing and everything. We tend not to tell people don't go out and do spell castings until you really know what you're doing. You know, there are other things outside the box that you have to consider. When doing what you guys do in connecting with your ancestral dad, is there any kind of warnings or precautions you would say you really don't want to do, you know, X, Y, Z? I, I would, well, I, I gave one. The sex thing was one thing right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, well. Uh, but you wouldn't believe it. There's people out there that give their ancestors sexual energy, and that works for some spirits, but it usually doesn't work so well with the dead. Um, the other thing is, I would say, uh, some people jump into this and they think, oh, okay, I've seen the, the Hollywood movies, and i got to right. go give a chicken, cut a chicken's head off to the ancestors. <laughs> Let's not do that, people. Yeah, well, I mean, there is places for that within voodoo but not it's definitely thing. not something that you should be doing for a long long time till you know what you're doing basically okay. um and it's really overkill it's not not necessary to give your ancestors blood it's really not there's so much you can do and never have to go that route for most people i'll just say that for most people that's right now, if someone comes to me and I'm taking a real bad illness off them with their ancestors, you never know. Um, but that's a specific, those are specific situations. Um, but outside of that and sticking with the ones you love, uh, it's really hard for it to go badly. Uh, what usually happens is people don't get any, they don't get the whiz bang, you know. Um, one of the th they don't get the whiz bang right away, so they think nothing's happening. So they just stop doing it. Um, but really, it's like it takes a little bit of time to get attuned so you can do them. Now, outside of that, uh, the ancestors aren't like doing spell work, right? You might ask them for something, uh -huh. and they might go, "What are you thinking?" 
you know, when you ask them for something that maybe isn't in your best interest from their point of view, they might ask you, what are you thinking? Or you might hear that voice in the back of your head that sounds like your ancestor, you know, your aunt or uncle from way back. And they're saying, what are you doing? You know, because they're not, they're not just, um, you're not just casting enchantments. So they're there's also an advice advising thing they're still your ancestors and they still might think that what you're doing isn't necessarily right mm -hmm. uh, so it, it kind of they can act they can act as a real check to make sure you're not asking for stuff that would actually hurt you see yeah and that's that's kind of the point I was you know kind of leading towards too is there's there's some things like you think are harmless to ask for or a want it, uh, there, there's boundaries and I think you know it's good that when what you do you kind of get like you said that check kind of like the you know your mom slapping your patties and going I don't think so Tim you don't need that right now and it kind of it kind of puts everything back in perspective and that's what a lot of people I think kind of need to think beyond the obvious I like to say because a lot of things that you are asking for are not necessarily something you need and that's kind of what this is about they're kind of keeping you in balance well if you're going to your ancestors looking for a one night stand hey they're looking for the nice girl that you're going to settle down with you exactly know? exactly oh, good analogy good, <laughs> good one jason <laughs> that's perfect they might not be the best spiritual source to ask for a one night stand that would be really bad <laughs> that's just tacky okay um now you guys do um do workings with the dead obviously but personal experiences i want to know about those i've had a lot of experiences with the dead so has jason um my family is a family of magicians so i will often uh do more much bigger rituals at my ancestors altar with them and uh to look at what i saw in the chat room yes i'll do sigil magic with them or yes we'll do enchantments for you know, if I need money for something I'm working on, and, and we're all in agreement. Uh, if I'm having problems actually hearing them, uh, I'll, I'll work with the tarot and OB sets to hear them more clearly, to have them influence the tarot, to communicate through the tarot. Um, you know, I've seen things when I go to cemeteries and do ancestor service that, you know, just, just a few weeks ago, well, it's more like a month, months now there was an experience where I went to the cemetery with somebody and I called out my ancestors to help me and I was doing a cleansing on a really good friend and I got possessed for a little while it's voodoo we get possessed but I got possessed by the barons who are like the the easiest way to describe them is like kind of the gatekeepers to the dead and come back you know Jason was with me actually in that experience, and I, uh -huh. I told Jason and the other person get out of here. I, I remember that. Get out of the park, or get out of the cemetery. Yeah, he said get out of the cemetery. Then the Baron said, "Not you. You're mine now." Speaking to the spirit, he was about. Yeah. To then I was about. out. Then there, then yeah. then there was a, <laughs> a mist that another person saw in the cemetery while I, I was possessed, and it was getting pushed away from everyone and um they got out of the cemetery real fast <laughs> and I, I was in the cemetery and then we get through all this and there's these three foot long like ectoplasmic strands like all over me when i'm walking back to the car and i had to really clean myself off so that's pretty and and the person that i did the work for was a skeptic but not after that ritual not after that working in the cemetery yeah okay. i'm just gonna i'm just gonna complain that the person that cleaned him off threw the ectoplasm out the window and didn't put it in a jar for me oh, no well okay there you go oh, next time jason sorry <laughs> 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 that was a little whiny it was. It was, it was it like was. you didn't bring me back the, the the toy out of the Happy Meal. Is that what you're saying? It's like you you think you had ectoplasm and you threw it out the car window. What? That really I, I, was. I, I think I was. I think I was thinking. I'd like to get out of the cemetery too now. 
I'm thinking that was something you would probably want to keep, though. I, I'm with Jason on this now. I was I was with you, but now I'm with Jason. I, what, were you th- what were you thinking? Um, whatever it was, it was residue from a negative spirit that I wanted nothing to do with. Ah, uh, good point. Oh. You just took the fun out of it now. I know. I mean, it would be fun <laughs> if I would have thought ahead, right? I had yeah, to right. Ahead, like, okay, bring the jar with me and put it in and then, like, have blessings on the jar so we can contain it. But I didn't do that. that- I, I didn't think it was going to be that intense, actually, like, when I went into that. I don't know. That was just, like, whole, like, Ghostbusters experience there. I think you should- I don't know. I'm on the fence. I think you might, you might want to keep it. I don't know. Now, what if somebody finds that? I mean, it's, it's visible, right? I don't know. I don't know what ectoplasm. I've never seen it. Is it something, a physical thing? Yeah, it was a physical thing. I I, uh, I threw it into to the trees and blessed it. Uh, so. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Sorry, so, but that just sounds a little crazy. <laughs> well, well, okay, not, not like the Ghostbuster slime. I mean, did no. you describe it as kind of spider webby, but not of a different consistency? What was kind of interesting, because the person... Um, I'm visualizing snotty. No, it's it was more like <laughs> long, long, long threads that were like three feet oh. long. Okay, um, okay. And like like a like a fisherman's net, almost. But it wasn't spider webs. It didn't have the consistency of spider webs. Okay. Now you blessed it. Because I, my next question was, which I guess that is, answers it, what if somebody comes across that? Would that have a negative energy to somebody that perhaps sees it and touches it? or? Given the amount of possessions and uh, spirits that I had around me at that point, uh, no. They would take yeah. care of it for me because I, I paid them and they asked. And some of that, the, ce- the, the spirits in that cemetery were really, really good and really nice to me. So... Um, and some of my ancestors said it wouldn't be a problem, too, because they're magicians. So they were like, yeah, you dealt with it. And the fact that the barons came through me at that point is another sign that it was fine. That They were they took the blessing and kind of took the energy off it. So then whatever it was, it would be left in the cemetery and it would get dissolved. It would just be done. Yep. Okay, so Jason, that was actually pretty good. Can you top that or do you have something equally as crazy? Wow. Well, as far as working with the dead, I've had many, many experiences, but eh, ancestor related. I was, oh man, I'm going to catch hell for this. Ah, I was, play, I was playing with a Ouija board one night with some friends uh-huh. a few years back. Now, we did it the right way. Now, we don't have time to explain the right way, so let's just say there were protections used. And Is that like a spiritual the- condom? That, I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jason. Yeah. Can, we, can, you, can you buy those somewhere? That, that's, that's a good analogy, actually. But no, let's, you know. Okay. We were specifically looking to contact dead ancestors, for one. We okay. weren't just opening the gate and saying, anybody who wants to come through, come through. Okay. So anyway, we're doing this. And... Okay, I get ca- I get caught off guard because I knew of my my paternal grandfather. Um, never met him, but he came through. Biological paternal grandfather, I should say. But um, he came through and he fed me some info, and the info was accurate. So I started to ask for more signs. He requested some coffee and a cigarette. I gave him a coffee and a cigarette there on the spot. Uh, miniature, I guess a little bit of miniature altar work at the time. Mm-hmm. And then he tells me, get in your car. Uh, go to my hometown, about 45 minutes from where I live currently. And okay, well, where do I go when I get there? And he gave me the name of a road that I had never been to. So I go to said hometown pull into a gas station start asking about this particular road and the woman at the gas station acts like she doesn't really know what I'm asking about and sends me on my way as I start to walk out the front door she jumps up from her seat and she goes wait 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 wait! it just came to me I think I know pulls out a phone book starts flipping through it and goes yeah okay the road you want and she gives me directions about 15 minutes outside of that town 
I drive out there, I find the road, I drive down the road, nothing spectacular happens. I drive up down the road a few times looking for signs. Nah, nothing spectacular. I go home, pull the Ouija board back out. Okay, I did what you told me to do. Um, why did you send me there? And I get, your uncle lives there. And I go, oh really? So, you know, I Google the name, I Google the road. Sure enough, his son, who I also had not met at this point, did live on that road. Not only did his son live on that road, a couple other family members, extended family members live on that road. Cool. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. That's kind of a cool story. There you go. That was cool. That's very neat. Okay, now, guys, I want also want to get into your mediumship skills. Now, from what Andrea kind of insinuated in his notes to me about this show is that you guys kind of have a little bit of different techniques, possibly. So, basic mediumship skills. Let's start with let, Andrea. Go ahead and tell us what what's your basic mediumship skills. Well, if you are basically if you are using the breath, it, this is really kind of important because mediumship has a couple steps. You have to use your breath and form a relationship with the spirit. So that usually means you start asking for messages after uh, probably about the three weeks. But if you sit there, you're thinking about the love, you can ask a question. And usually most people will start off uh, with feeling uh, easier. So you can ask a question and see if you feel more happy. And if you do, that's probably a yes. You kind of have to calibrate it. And then if you feel less, you kind of more like dull, then it's probably a no. Um, if you can, you might actually even hear them at that point in your mind uh, with yes or no. But really the key is there is to sit in front of that ancestor altar every day for the three weeks and ask for any kind of communication. One of the things that I like to do after I've been doing it is to pay attention to the candle and ask them to show their presence uh, through a physical sign, which is easy to do uh, with, a, with a candle, making sure there's no wind. You know, obviously it's a, not a good test if there's a breeze. Uh -huh. um, but if there's no breeze, ask them for a physical sign. Uh, usually a flickering of the candle is pretty good presence. Sometimes you might even hear uh, creaking in your house behind you. That's one of the things that I always get. Or, yeah. or there might be voices outside suddenly right at the time you ask. Um, usually, like I said, that's a pretty good sign that they're around. Um, and then from there, you could start paying attention to um, how you feel when you ask questions. And you kind of have to keep developing that. And then if an image pops into your head, you kind of write it down. Uh, usually when I'm teaching people mediumship skill, if they have any ability with the divination system, I'll say, okay, use the divination system too to help act as a tool when you're starting out. So Jason, yes. Jason kind of just like goes into the like the corner and just gets very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever notice that? He's oh yeah, like, yeah, we, yeah. I know. No, I just I just try to be polite. You know, who wants some some dummy like talking over you when you're trying to explain something, right? Sarcasm at its best. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, what you got? Oh, well, for me, okay, I use a very simple technique, and I'm not as well-versed in hypnosis as Andrea is, but something that is a form of self-hypnosis is a color meditation I picked up many years ago, and where I quiet myself, I breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth, and I keep that going at, oh, probably at least a seven count in and out semi-deep but not too deep not too straining and I simply envision red orange yellow green blue 
indigo and then violet and when you get good at this it takes a while i mean this is a good 20 minute exercise when you're when you're starting out i i got it down at my best to being able to do each color within a few breaths but you get down into a nice trance state while you do this and once you're down deep into this trance state you focus on your third eye right above your eyebrows between above the bridge of your nose and you just focus your attention there and relax and concentrate there you might start to feel some tension or a tingling there now while you're doing that you picture I don't know picture it like a third eye or picture it like a window with shutters over it and open the eyelid or open the shutters and really focus on that opening once that opens that's when you start to make your your requests ask your questions and with my eyes closed and using techniques like that I have been able to train myself to actually get mental pictures good okay well, guys. that book is actually uh instant esp and it's no longer in print but it will cost you about 65 dollars if you find it cheap as a paperback yep it will <laughs> shameless plug no actually like i you know I, that's not like me selling my own book hands on chaos magic now that was a shameless plug actually this this gentleman is long deceased yeah. and yeah that's why the book's out of print well, that would explain it, right? <laughs> I have I have Andrea's book, um, Hands-On Chaos Magic, and I flip through it every now and then. I have all these, like, sticky notes sticking out of it and highlighted and, all, you know, that's me. Because I've had the book, what, a couple years now? Yeah, it's been a couple years. I've, yeah. I, I really yeah. am slow at writing new books. You really are. I think you need to get on that. I know. I do. But that's what people need to do. They need to get your book, um, Hands-On Chaos Magic. You know, even though it's a couple years old, I mean, I, I refer back to it, you know, quite often. I'll just, like, think of something and say, oh, you know what, I bet you it's in that book. I'll flip through it. Yeah. So people need to pick that up. Um, we got about, I don't know, seven minutes or so. And, Andrea, you wanted to – the reason we did this kind of interview this way, I know it's a little bizarre for you guys, but um, there was a point. There's a method to this madness. Andrea wanted to – go into the parent investigators that are going to be doing this ceremony so can you explain what they want to do and you know how that's going to happen yeah i mean we gave a little bit about how to do the ancestral work and some crazy stories because you know it's it's getting to be close to halloween that's the mm -hmm. time of crazy stories um, but the basic ancestral service and we'll have a, a pdf um, was basically what we said just basically come and love and put down the physical altar uh, because next week uh, just like we did previously we're going to do an online ceremony and what we're going to do in that online ceremony through uh, various hypnosis and various music is walk you through an ancestral service to open you up to be able to communicate with them and not only walk you through to communicate with you but walk you through the steps of self-purification so it's very 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 difficult for a negative spirit to come around and we're going to have you do that over your altar as a way to activate and commune with your ancestors on halloween that's going to be rocking it is it should be an enormous amount of fun and inside that um inside what we do next week uh, you pretty much can use that any time. Uh, the meditation that we'll have, you can use that any time. You can like take it, put it on your iPod, uh, listen to it in front of your altar, and it'll take you through the right steps to be able to really kind of communicate with them and really start to build that connection faster. Okay, can I ask you guys some just a couple off-the-wall questions that really doesn't sure. pertain to this actual topic? Um, Everybody's getting attachments these days. I mean, like, seriously. I mean, you can't swing a dead cat without getting an attachment, it seems like. What's your opinion on those? And, like, you talked about the cleansing and, you know, getting rid of the negativity. So what's your opinion on attachments? And if one should have one, how do you get rid of it? 
Well, I could do the blatant self pro, uh, plug there and say, you go to a priest and get them to remove it, but or like you know a voodoo priest, you know. But really, it's far less common than people think. I think um, it's been my experience that a lot of people would like to believe they have attachments. It's another thing. I would look for different things if they actually had an attachment. Um, because, you know, it's kind of like the old saying is if you have an attachment, it means you're important because uh-huh. Uh-huh. something bothered with you. Um, and in, in an attention-strived world, that's, that psychologically that, that can happen a lot. And basically, even if something is not that deeply attached, meaning you didn't leave it there long, whether you use Qigong, uh, lesser banishing ritual, the pentagram, a cleansing bath, um, I don't know. What else can you think of? Uh, even if you use our sh- the other online ritual we did as, you know, and just listen to it, it will generally clean up any attachments. Oh, that was actually proven on the field. Yeah, that well, we actually did prove that in the field. We actually removed an attachment by simply having them listen to the last time we did an online ritual. It's um, unless you let it linger and really kind of get into your psyche, it's any kind of cleansing ritual will do that. The p- problem is is that a lot of the people that are talking about these attachments all the time also kind of be are of the bend that any kind of spirituality or practical occultism is is kind of evil. Uh-huh. And by lumping, throwing the bo- uh, baby out with the bathwater, they remove the very techniques for thousands of years that people had to remove those attachments uh, pretty easily. See, I always pose issue with that because do, doing what I do and the people, like, you know, I, I, I know you, I know, you know, Corvus, I know, like, all these people and everything, and everybody always says, you're going to end up getting some kind of negative force or attachment, and actually some people that will rename you know, remain nameless, have said that they feel dark forces around me and all that. Yet, I feel I have no attachments. I have no issues. I don't even fear the fact that I'm going to be getting attacked by anything. So, I don't, I don't know. It just, it just seems to be like a lot of fluff talk well, when people say I got attachments all the time. Okay, for one, paranoia I can't get will one to stick to me. Yeah, paranoia will actually make it so that things can attach to you. Oh, because I can't get anything to stick to me. What's my, what's my problem? See, do you want okay. to have a negative emotional experience of? I don't know. Power? I think I do. I think I do because I, I can't seem to get one. You so just I come think... out to Cleveland. We'll hook you up. I mean, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> come I mean, party seriously. with us. I mean, we'll, you know, you know, if that's like, your thing, sure. I mean, well, you know, it's like being told, "Don't press the red button because the, it'll destroy the world." I'm going to press the red button. You know, because I've been told I can't. And so all these people, and maybe I just, maybe I'm not that special. Okay, I'm Kimmy, just not getting any attachments, guys. Kimmy, you have to beware the the dividing line between egotism and self confidence. But you're a very self confident person. I am. I am. And that, in and of itself, is really I I feel my opinion a form of banishing. It is, uh, it, because your energy field is going to be more solid to start with. I mean that's why that's why like in most spiritual paths uh, outside of recent times you're spending lots of time meditating and dealing with internal issues. So these kind so if you're going to deal with negative spirits or be around bad spiritual neighborhoods, as it were, this is not really things are not going to really attach you attached to you. But really, the way things are now. Even if you get a good cleansing, good banishing down, and harden your aura, you know, even through the techniques of spending just a half hour and stuff from hands like chaos magic, it's going to be really hard to get an attachment. It really is. Even just visualizing a shell around you and feeling like that the shell is strong would make it hard for things to attach. Oh, my Lord. Sorry, Andrea, but we are out of time. Oh, yeah, we are. We are. We are. There you go. We are. That went went by fast, guys. So, next week we're going to do a live ritual where we'll commune and connect you with your ancestors. I want to thank Kimmy for coming on and keeping us honest so we get the real information out. Um, next week, live ritual. We'll have a PDF on our website later in the week. 
that will detail exactly how to do the ancestor altar that we talked about on the show tonight. Thanks again, Kimmy. Thanks, Jason. And thanks to the Illuminists again for our wonderful music. <laughs>